Welcome to Props and Hops here on the Hammer Betting Network. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by Pro Better Hitman, as well as our producer, Jacob. Today, we're going to break down week three props across the NFL. But first off, Hitman week two brought you a massive win. Aaron Jones to lead the league in rushing yards at 40 to one. I will note that bet was suspiciously absent from this show last Friday. So, Jacob, maybe this weekend, the hops for us can be on Hitman. Yeah, one, yeah. One of the things is as somebody that's betting for most of their income on, on these props, especially it's so hard to just give out everything. And one of the reasons is I'm betting probably over hundreds of bets a week. And you would say, well, how could you be betting hundreds of bets and everything? Well, when you have enough outs, a lot of times you're going to find rogue numbers. You're going to find books that are a little bit late to adjust to certain things. And as far as the case of this outright market goes, it's not really a market that's very widely available. I think FanDuel, DraftKings, and Caesars are the three main books that are offering it. And the thing is, is that even in person, if you go to DraftKings or FanDuel a lot of times and you try to bet one of these things, they'll act like you have a ski mask on and you're trying to rob the place. So it's hard to get down at those places on these outright markets for enough money to, to make it worth it for me. But give Caesars slash William Hill a lot of credit. They're taking a lot of big bets from a lot of sharp people. They move the numbers off of it. They do a good job. So all the credit goes to them to actually taking bets. Well, in all seriousness, Hitman, congrats for that big win. I know that a lot of sharp bettors will often talk about those needle in the haystack types of bets often being prohibitive from a price standpoint just because of the added vig that can kind of be hidden when there are so many options for a betting menu like that. So to that end, what can you share about the process behind last week's bet that a lot of us can look to apply to our own processes moving forward? It's just looking for mispricing. And it, I mean, like you said, there's so much hidden vig in those type of markets that it's rare that you're going to find much value on many guys. I might bet two or three guys in the passing, rushing, and receiving total, two or three guys for the entire week, typically, that I'll find value on. But sometimes you can find some mispricings. Like last week, um, Kirk Cousins was 16-1 to at the same buck for most passing yards, and Tom Brady was 7-1. to Now tell me how that makes sense when Kirk Cousins' prop total is closing 275 and Brady's being bet down to 260. It just doesn't make sense. And sometimes you can take advantage of some of the mispricings. But in general, it's a market that I would advise mostly staying away from. But every now and then, you will find a, a good bet. One more follow-up question for you on that big Aaron Jones ticket from last week. On Monday, we had a doubleheader featuring some star running backs, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook. As you're sitting on the leader in the clubhouse with Aaron Jones, a lot of people might wonder about hedging opportunities. Could you explain your thought process as far as that goes versus just letting it ride? I mean, I'm not a big hedger. I've said it a hundred times uh, that unless it's life-changing money or the other side is plus EV, I'm not a big believer in hedging much. Um, as far as this was, I said before, I'm not hedging it. 
And one of the big reasons too, is that it's hard to hedge it. Like, yeah, you could bet Derrick Henry and Dalvin cook to go over their rushing total. Uh, and then what happens if Miles Sanders goes over or what happens if you saw Lamar Jackson ran for 110, 115 yards last week? What happens if Jalen Hurts has that type of eruption game or Josh Allen somehow does it? So to, to me, it, it wasn't worth figuring out uh, all those scenarios and possibly getting burned, but, but also – Unless I find the other side to be plus EV, uh, I'm usually not looking to, to do a hedge. I think that might be one of the biggest takeaways the audience can get from this episode is that, yes, hedging, there's a common talking point that I subscribe to where if it's not plus EV and if it's not life-changing money, then just let it be. It's not always that easy when you're in the heat of the moment, but especially to your point with a bet like this, there's not really a clean hedge on the board. It's not like you bet one side to win the game outright and you can come in on the money line on one other side and you're guaranteed a profit. When you're looking at Henry and Cook, what about Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, maybe a backup running back comes in and breaks off a big run. So you can often make minus EV bets that don't actually guarantee you a profit. So just something to think about when future hedging opportunities arise as we go throughout the course of our NFL betting season. And with that said, I think we're in a good spot to proceed with the week three slate. And Hitman, let's kick it off with one of the marquee games, Buffalo-Miami. Wondering if Tua might have turned a corner last week and a very impressive fourth quarter comeback. Also, Mike McDaniel just really hitting the easy button time after time to maximize what he can get out of Tua and that strong supporting cast. The Bills also dealing with a cluster injury situation in their secondary I know you like Miami at plus six, and we might see the spread get back to that number. But right now, just looking at the board, anything stand out if you're already looking Miami's way for the full game side from a Dolphins prop betting perspective? Yeah, um, I know that two has been a popular discussion with the Dolphins throwing their, their pass rate over expectation is so high. And I, I know some people are saying, well, now he's going against the best pass defense in the league and but it's one of those things that you really got to be familiar with the personnel and say well is this really the best pass defense in the league without Micah Hyde without Dane Jackson without uh Tredavious White and potentially without Jordan Poyer um it, it's not something that jumped out to me I, I didn't play anything in this game yet to be honest um one of the looks that I might uh have is Gabriel Davis is pretty low right now. I think his over under is 52, 53. And if he's fully healthy, which I believe he practiced fully on Thursday, I believe he's practicing fully today on Friday. That's a player that in a shootout like this, he, he was considered to be a breakout player coming into the year. And in week one against the Rams, he looked absolutely fantastic. So it's a guy that you might get a decent look at, uh, especially if Zavin Howard is is following Stephon Diggs around the field. And we all know that Byron Jones, the second corner for Miami, is out. So I could see myself potentially being interested in some Gabe Davis props, but it hasn't been a game that I have placed any props on as of yet. 
Fair enough. And Jacob, you may be a step ahead of me with the visual for the audience watching this on YouTube. I just checked the bet stamp odd screen for player props, and it looks like Davis, there are some 53 and a halfs available for his receiving yardage, but it looks like 54 and a half might be the more prevalent number. So Davis may be already getting a little bit of steam in an upward direction after, to your point, Hitman, looks pretty questionable early in the week and now is looking more and more like a pretty solid go for Sunday in Miami. Moving on to Miami's opponent next week, the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Jets this week as the Bengals try to break into the win column, as I will be for the purposes of this show for week three in the NFL. And Hitman, I know that when we recorded Edge Rush earlier this week, as I had the chance to fill in for Chris Abbott, you mentioned leaning towards Cincinnati, but that number has since steamed up to six. So if it's maybe not a go right now from a point spread perspective, I know their offense has been alarming through two weeks, but that was against the likes of TJ Watt and Micah Parsons. They should be in for a nice step down in class in terms of their Jets opposition this Sunday. In your eyes, does that perhaps present any sort of step up in value when it comes to a Bengals offensive prop betting standpoint? Um, I haven't looked much at the Bengals guys from a prop perspective, to be honest. I was a little indifferent on what their game plan is going to be because I heard Joe Burrow saying in the press, the post-game press conference that we just need to run the ball better. We have to run the ball better, take these teams out of too high. So I was originally looking at maybe potentially mixing stuff, but it ended up being nothing that I ended up playing. Now, what, what I did end up playing in that game, and I like it, I see the market right now, is about 239 and a half give or take at most spots, Joe Flacco is averaging six yards an attempt this year. That is 29th out of 32 quarterbacks. And his line is at 240. Now, he's went over both games. He's thrown the ball a league-high amount of times. They're just throwing the ball like they're the, the Buffalo Bills right now, the Jets are. But you just have to ask yourself, how sustainable is this? Um, their offensive coordinator comes from the San Francisco coaching tree. They're, that's a run-first system, run-first coaching tree. You just have to ask how sustainable this is, that he's going to keep throwing. And let me just bring up another point. Last week, Joe Flacco had 180 yards or so. And if Nick Chubb falls down or Kareem Hunt doesn't run out of bounds two times before that, Joe Flacco, the Cleveland runs the clock out. Joe Flacco finishes with 180 passing yards. His prop line last week closed 220, I think. Now you're seeing a 20-yard adjustment. And what would the prop, well, I'll ask you, Matt, what would the line have been if Flacco threw for 180 last week and Nick Chubb falls down? Would it have been 240? It, it probably would have been 225 for this game. So it's really the definition of you're getting value off of what happened at the end of that game last week. And I'll gladly fade a quarterback that's throwing for six yards per attempt and just, and just hope that the volume is going to go down, which it has to eventually. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now on the bed stamp screen. Sorry, Matt. And you're already seeing some books sort of adjust to it. You're seeing it as low as 233.5, but some of them are still out here hanging 240.5. And going off what you said, I think you can get a ton of value by shopping that one. 
And in addition to Jacob's point, if this has maybe slipped down to the mid 230s, I still love the handicap to your point, Hitman, about, you know, in an alternative universe, which we would see most of the time, the Browns just run out that clock and we're not seeing Flacco anywhere near this number from a yardage standpoint. If people catch on to that, maybe piggybacking on a concept we talked about last week, in addition to his yardage, completions, uh, usually seeing that in the range of 22 and a half at most books, and then pass attempts, 36 and a half. So uh, any interest in those areas as well to maybe diversify the exposure on Flacco or is the yardage really where it stands out because of the Jets late game outburst in Cleveland? I think they're all good. I mean, think about this. Joe Flacco opened up three attempts higher than Josh Allen coming into this week. And the Bills, we all know that they've been pretty allergic to, to running the ball for a long time. So I just think that... I think that there's clear value on all the Flacco unders. All right. Well, I will be fading Flacco with you this Sunday. So really pulling for the Bengals to stymie him, unlike his first two opponents of the season. And on that note, let's move on to the next game, the Lions and the Vikings. Hitman, I wanted to touch on this one briefly with you because um, we talked about Aaron Jones off the top of the show. I'm wondering if Dalvin Cook might be the Aaron Jones of this week. We saw in week one, Jones was pretty heavily underused. The Packers corrected that in a major way week over week. Hearing similar things out of Minnesota after a pretty quiet night for Cook in Philadelphia on Monday night week two, we might see him back into the fold in a major way for that Vikings offense. Taking on a Lions defense that might be without Aiden Hutchinson. Anything you're looking at for Cook or any other props in the Lions-Vikings game on Sunday? Yeah, I, I like Dalvin Cook overs. Um, coming into the year, he was one of the best running backs. I think he was fourth in the NFL throughout his career over um, yards per carry when his team was in 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, one tight end, and one running back. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry coming into the year. So that's why I thought that he was a great fit in this new offense, which predominantly runs 11 personnel. And he had a decent game in week one, obviously week two, six carries, could never get in a rhythm. But we heard Kevin O'Connell say, I need to get Dalvin Cook in a better rhythm. And what that means to me is that Dalvin Cook, he's going to look to run him and he's going to look to run him early. So if he's looking to run him early in the game as a six-point favorite against a team that does not have a good defense, especially in comparison to the defenses that he's faced so far this year, I think that it's the perfect storm for, for an over on Dalvin Cook, a number that he has went over in his career with pretty good regular, uh, pretty regular. He, he's went over that number. So I think Dalvin Cook over 76 and a half is worth a play. And I'm seeing that as high as 78 and a half at some books, 76 and a half should be readily available to somebody who has at least a few shops to work with, but anticipating perhaps some steam on this prop in the next few days, would you say that there's a price ceiling for listeners who might not be hearing this immediately? If cook tends to trend upward a bit with this total, where would your cutoff be? 80 and a half, but I think that this line's going to, stay still there there's been a maybe a little bit of opposition against me because i gave this out to my clients at 76 and a half i think and it went it ticked up a little bit but it it hasn't ticked up much so there might be somebody in the marketplace that that bet this down but it's not stopping my handicap i think that 
you have a great matchup. You have a player that is a great fit for this system. I don't think that we've seen it yet through two games, but I think that we will. And we have the projected game flow in our favor. So I just think that it's a, it's a pretty solid play. Dalvin Cook over. Sounds good. Let's move on to another game featuring a dynamic running back. That would be the Colts and Jonathan Taylor hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. And I see a bit of a parallel to the Miami Buffalo game we discussed where Hitman, I know that from a point spread standpoint for the full game, you liked Indy plus six. I know that we had seen plenty of Colts money. So that's mostly come down to five and a half. Maybe it gets back there. But as we focus on the props for the purposes of this show, it looks like the Colts, after a nightmare start to the season, if anything, could only perhaps see positive regression. And then the Chiefs going up against a Gus Bradley defense. We've seen how that's played out the past couple of times they faced Bradley during his stint with the Raiders. Between both offenses in this game, anything standing out from a prop betting perspective? I bet Michael Pittman over 63 and a half receiving yards. And there was a quote that really stood out to me from Frank Reich. He said, after the loss against Jacksonville, absolutely embarrassing. He said, you know, I, I don't want to make excuses, but Michael Pittman was a huge part of this game plan. And I was pretty certain that he was playing up until when he got ruled out, I think, on Friday. He said it really it threw things off with us for because we installed that they installed the game plan a little bit earlier in the week. So what does that tell me? He practiced fully on Wednesday, Thursday. I anticipate that he's going to practice fully today on Friday. It tells me Michael Pittman is a huge part of, of this Colts team. He's gotten 22% of the targets, I believe, in eight or higher in eight straight games for the Colts. It's a tremendous matchup. You know Matt Ryan's going to have to throw the ball to keep up with this Chiefs offense. The Colts really have nobody else that is a capable receiver next to him. And the Chiefs have been – they've given up a lot of wide receiver production in the past last year and this year so far well look at even mike williams in that chargers game everybody knew mike williams was the guy that you were going to have to stop with keenan allen out and mike williams has a very similar skill set to michael pittman i think michael pittman's a better player but it's a very similar skill set and mike williams had a great game i anticipate michael pittman who i think is one of the breakout players in the league to, to have a great a great game and look at what happened in week one also Michael Pittman I think he got 13 targets against Houston I think that's a breakout year coming for him I think that his prop lines are probably going to be in the low 70s by the end of the year so I liked over 63 and a half in this one and a follow-up that I'll pepper you with fairly regularly here, just anticipating that a lot of the audience might not catch this show right when it comes out. The market might be quick to evolve. You had mentioned liking Pittman over 63 and a half receiving yards. I'm seeing a consensus number now more in the range of 65 and a half. And then you said that pretty soon you think that he'll probably be lined in the low 70s. So what would a ceiling be for somebody looking to get in where there's still value on Pittman receiving yards over? I think we're good up to 60, 68 and a half. Like, like I said, I think that Michael Pittman is a player that we are going to see in the high 60s, low 70s on a pretty regular basis. And this and in this game, his number deserves to be a little bit higher from what his average would be anyway, because this is a 
projected game script where the Colts are going to have to throw the ball. Obviously, if you're playing a team like Houston or something, then a lot of times these receivers, the numbers won't be, they'll just be a little tick lower just because, you know, Indianapolis theoretically seven point favorite playing against Houston. There could be a lot of running in the fourth quarter, but when you're playing Kansas city as a six point dog, you know that you're probably going to have to be throwing the ball the entire game. So I think Michael Pittman's good up to that 68 and a half. Sounds good. Well, from one alpha receiver to another in the next game, we'll talk about Raiders Titans. I'd like to get your thoughts on Devonte Adams last week, only two receptions for 12 yards, pretty inexplicably disappeared as the Raiders also saw a comfortable lead disappear against the Cardinals. Adams um, only saw seven targets in that game. And this week he's going to be going up against a soft Tennessee secondary. So similar to a major week to week correction we saw with Aaron Jones that we may also see with Dalvin cook this week. I think Devonte Adams could see a big bounce back from his output last week. And when it comes to the numbers we're looking at here again, ultimately the best handicap in the world also needs the right price attached to it. I'm seeing his receiving yardage numbers anywhere from 80 and a half to 82 and a half. Um, any point of view on what you'd expect along those lines from Devonte Adams against Tennessee on Sunday? Yeah, a lot of it really depends on if Hunter Renfro is playing in this game and we really don't know. It's one of those things that we're going to have to wait for the injury report on, on Hunter Renfro. I'd like to think that we get a bounce back effort. I really do like playing guys, superstar players after bad games. Cause a lot of times these quarterbacks and coaches will look to scheme them the ball. But I, I think if Adams lines are out there now, if you do get word that Hunter Renfro is going to be out for this game, then I think that uh, some Adams overs would be worth uh, a play. And is Renfro also somebody you'll be keeping a close eye on as it pertains to Pittman receptions props? I ask about that because there seems to be a lot less consensus on the juice attached to Adams potentially going over six and a half. I know you've touched on Caesars. They're taking big bets these days. And uh, they are at minus 189 VIG attached to Pittman, or excuse me, Adams going over six and a half receptions this week. The no VIG line at Caesars, north of minus 160. Um, Pinnacle's price point also up there, minus 177. And then widely available books like DraftKings and MGM are hanging minus 150 on this prop. So minus 150 can feel like a lot of VIG to prop betters, but maybe relatively cheap compared to some of the other sports books. So any inclination on Adams over six and a half receptions at that price point of minus 150. I'll say that it's rarely, it's is rarely wrong to play a DraftKings or 365 or MGM prop. If there's a market discrepancy between Caesar, a book like Caesars and a, or a book like those books. And the main reason is because Caesars will book sharp action and they're competent enough that they will move off of that sharp action. Whereas some of the other books that I mentioned don't take sharp action. And all they do is they get bearded into by, by Joe Schmo beards in as, as the hitman or any other pro and they can't identify where the sharp action is and they can't move. So I'll just say that, it's rarely wrong if there's a discrepancy. You're more likely than not, you're going to be betting with one of those square bucks. 
All right. I think there's plenty for the audience to do there, reading between the lines just a little bit. And now let's kick it over after a bunch of AFC games to start things here. A big NFC matchup, the Eagles flying high after the first couple weeks. They travel to Washington. Hitman, I know that you liked Washington, plus seven for the full game. Uh, Another number that got hit. We may get back there. It looks like currently we're seeing Eagles minus six and a half across the board. But looking to extend from that Washington inclination for a full game side into the props market, it does seem like Washington has a pretty porous run defense and that can be perilous against the Eagles ground game. So I'm wondering if we might like Washington and have some fear about the matchups in the run game, any areas of opportunity to potentially fade the Eagles passing offense? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the one guy that I was looking to potentially fade was Dallas Goddard because I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that his it might be his routes runners. It's, it's his target share. I know it's one of the two or maybe both has been really low and he's been living off efficiency. And typically in the prop markets, you want to bet against efficiency and you want to look where the volume and the targets are going. Now, you might say that and you could get burned the entire year by a player like Debo Samuel, who last year had, I think he had the lowest average depth of target in the NFL but the most yards per catch. So, I mean, tell me how that works. So that efficiency was just absolutely insane. And a lot of prop bettors were betting against that efficiency, saying it has to level out, and it never did. So I, I'd say the, the only Eagle pass passing um, player that um, receiving prop that I'm looking to potentially maybe go against is, is that Dallas Goddard one. But ultimately, it was a game that, I did not get involved in as of yet. There's another game that I wanted to discuss with you now that we can't get involved in yet because the market hasn't opened, but I think that there may be plenty of opportunity when the market does open in short order, perhaps by the time people are hearing this conversation. And that takes us to the late window on Sunday, Jacksonville at the Chargers. Chargers player props currently off the board with the cloud of uncertainty looming over Justin Herbert's status. Hitman, I think we can both confidently say that we expect him to start. And once he gets ruled in, some Chargers player prop numbers will hit the board. And while we're confident that Herbert's going to go on Sunday, based on our conversation with Eric Eager on edge rush, we can also probably be pretty confident that Herbert's injury may be more serious than a lot of us have been led to believe since last Thursday night. So if and when Chargers player props hit the board and they may be based more on prior game averages than what we can expect under the offense this Sunday, given the current health status of Justin Herbert. I'll start off by asking you what you might anticipate to be an over-under for a prop like Justin Herbert rushing yards. Um, It's probably going to be placed around his averages. I think that you could go back to the Kansas City game and look at what his line was for those games. Don't, Don't quote me on it. I think he was around two 80 passing yards and 13 and a half rushing yards. I could be wrong on that, but I, that, that's my best guess on what it was. Um, obviously game flow, you're in that game, you're anticipating a little pass heavier game. So take away a little bit uh, off of that, but you, that's probably what you could expect the, the line to come, come in at. And I, I could only look towards potential unders, especially on the rushing, like you said, because what's the thing, what do you remember about that game 
before and your chargers fan matt before herbert threw that 35 yard pass on a rope which god knows how he was able he looked like brett Favre playing injured with a broken every broken every bone in his body throwing a missile over the middle of the field so that that was amazing but what do you remember about the third down before that he couldn't he had the first down and anybody could have ran for that first down. I think you didn't have to be a pro athlete and he just threw the ball away without looking to run. So that that's the moment that sticks in my head a little bit about Justin Herbert. So I think that when the lines do come out, it was a, it's a sharp thought by you to potentially look towards a Herbert rushing under. When we go back to that, play sequence you know on the third down he couldn't even muster the strength to basically walk for the first down and then look ahead to what he did on fourth down I I remember after that third down play I I was watching the game with my wife and I was just saying why do they even have him in the game at this point what good could possibly come of this then on the next play he drops that dime on fourth down as if he's at full strength and superhuman and my wife says Maybe that's why they still have him in the game. So that shut me up pretty good. It was fun to see him make that kind of throw, even in that kind of pain. And yeah, I would just add a bit to this Herbert rushing prop. Again, not on the board yet, but I think we will see it soon. And I think we will see value to the under. I won't be surprised, Hitman and Jacob, if Herbert finishes with a negative rushing yardage output for this game. If anything, maybe a kneel down or two at the end of either half. Otherwise, they just want to protect him. Again, he couldn't walk for that first down at the Chiefs. If this line was over under half a yard for Herbert, I'd almost be tempted at the under. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about half a yard, Matt. Now, now you might be talking a little bit crazy, but I think that it it could potentially have value. I'm thinking right, from well, it. Let's get- sorry, sorry, I added one thing here. I think for Herbert as well. I mean, obviously, the Chargers would probably just want to be 100% sure he can go if they play him, but there's also a possibility that he starts the game and just can't finish the game as a result of the injury. And the defense, knowing he's got that rib injury, I'm sure they're also going to be finishing every tackle they can on him. So that's also another angle you can kind of look at with Herbert, I think. For sure. Yeah, good point, Jacob. I think that's really sharp, and I hadn't considered it yet. So, yeah, feeling really good about a look at Herbert rushing yard unders when we see that. Probably going to have to act fast. I doubt we're the only ones thinking along those lines, but good to know we can be quick to the trigger there. I also wanted to talk about Mike Williams in this one. He was spectacular last week. Eight Eight receptions, 113 yards, an outstanding touchdown catch. But he's a big downfield threat, and I think in a Joe Lombardi offense, especially given the shape that Herbert's in right now, we can expect a lot of quick releases, maybe an even more shallow average depth of target, if that's even possible, with Justin Herbert in this Joe Lombardi offense on Sunday. So, you know, with Keenan Allen potentially returning to the offense, I'm wondering if we won't also see value on Mike Williams' unders. Hit me on any thought on what we might see for Williams receiving yards and receptions just from an average standpoint that the books tend to gravitate toward, would you also perhaps look to fade Mike Williams in this one? Probably only look under. Um, Mike Williams has been a guy that's really lived off of a lot of deep vertical shots. Uh, But at the same time, monitor the Keenan Allen stuff. And that's a big reason why the lines aren't out right now. But Mike Williams splits with and without Keenan Allen, specifically how good he's been without Keenan Allen has it's been really positive splits for Mike Williams. So I would say that 
monitor the injury report, but I could probably only look towards a Williams under. Sounds good. And one more quick one here, and then we'll move on to games where player props are currently on the board. Austin Eckler, what do you think his receiving total will be, uh, reception total will be when we get this posted? It's tough because I think it's usually around four and a half on Eckler. And I know that he had a huge um, second half catching the ball against the Chiefs, but he also hasn't been playing as much this year. And and coming into the year, the big talk with Austin Eckler was that they were going to try to manage his snaps. He even said, I think it's a good idea to manage my snaps. So Eckler hasn't been a guy I've been really targeting as far as overs have went, but uh, that's what I would expect the line to uh, open up at. Yeah, I figured a detractor looking toward overs for him here from a handicapping standpoint, but from a price standpoint, those nine receptions on 10 targets last week, fueled by garbage time, but that could skew things. It might be balanced out a bit by the fact that week one, he only saw four targets. I figure that Jacksonville knows the dump offs are probably coming in this game to get the ball out of Herbert's hands as quickly as possible. And that could lead to a lot of receptions for Eckler, even if not so many yards, because the Jags D will be keying in on it. But if we can get anything four and a half without prohibitive juice or perhaps anything a little bit, you know, less than that because he hasn't been playing a ton this season. One more thing to consider, but really like for this game, anticipating Herbert rushing yards under perhaps Mike Williams receiving yards and receptions under if we get confirmation that Keenan Allen going to be back in the fold as well. I think that's more than enough talk on a game that doesn't have player props posted yet. So let's talk about the marquee game of that late window on Sunday where we do have some props on the board. And that would be the Packers traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. We've got Rodgers versus Brady, the two-time reigning MVP against the greatest of all time. And lo and behold, the total for this game is sitting in the low 40s. I know that's largely due to injuries seemingly everywhere across the rosters outside of quarterback, especially on the Tampa Bay side. Hitman, knowing we've got two of the all-time great quarterbacks in this one and there is such a low total, does that open up any prop betting prospects for you? Oh, man. I, I'm not going to give it out as an official play or anything because the line has gotten absolutely crushed. But Tom Brady opened around 260 passing yards for this game. I think we're seeing 245 now. What a ridiculous opener. And it, it goes back to... I've talked about this year. It's harder than ever with props this year. And the reason is, is that all these books are opening up earlier and there's people that are betting very early and moving the lines. There's services that just believe in, Hey, one book has the line. We're giving it out to our customers. We don't care that 90% of them are getting $30 where we're going. And they're, they're the market's just getting absolutely destroyed early in the week. So it's one of those games that, oh, my God, if Brady was sitting here at 260, I'd be saying that I absolutely love his under because they're they're trying they're pricing it. It's not the same as last year, but there's still there's a little bit of bias into the number based off of how many yards he threw for last year. And guess what? It's a run first offense now and team without their offensive linemen and without almost all their receivers. And you just cannot line a quarterback at 260 passing yards on a run first team and a total that's a sitting at 42. You just can't do it. So it was one of those that I 
tried to get whatever I could down. If it does tip tip back up, tick back up, I think the low two fifties is a, a still a buy price on it, but I don't anticipate that it's gonna. But just keep an eye out on it. If it does, I would be interested again. And when it comes to some of the correlated markets that might not have been hit quite as hard, want to look into Brady pass attempts. I'm seeing 34 and a halfs with some reduced VIG to the under at certain books. Also Brady completions, 23 and a half. Those also have some reduced VIG attached to the unders. Have those also been hit too hard or is that maybe an indirect path to the same handicap that hasn't been blown up as much by the market yet this week? They haven't been hit as hard. I could only play unders on those, but it's just something that I personally didn't play. I thought that the yards was because Brady's been inefficient even this year. So I thought that the the yards was a slam dunk. And guess what? You know what? I still lean under at 245. My my fare was probably 240-ish was what I thought that it should have been. But the best advice I could give the listeners is just hold off for now. Maybe you get some over money, pushes it to low 250s, and then you can look to play under. But at the current market, it's a pass. Next game we can talk about, guys, Rams, Cardinals. Just kidding. Let's go ahead and skip it. Apologies to Kyler Murray, but I'm not going to bet your rushing prop over once again after going 0-2 each of the season's first two weeks. Jacob with a nice edit that was posted to the Props and Hops Twitter account earlier this week so everybody could see the pain that I was feeling on that one. So maybe a fun (laughs) NFC West game to watch. But we've got an NFC West team playing in primetime that might have some more prop betting opportunity we can get into right now. Sunday Night Football, the Niners traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos. And let's start on the Niners side of things. Hitman with the change in quarterback from Trey Lance to Jimmy G. What kind of impact does that have on your outlook for 49ers props? It definitely makes the wide receivers a little bit more appealing. Um, Sharp guy I work with, he likes Debo Samuels over. I don't disagree. I didn't bet it, but I don't disagree with it. It makes Brandon Ayuk a little bit more appealing. It just makes all of the, the Niners more appealing, in my opinion, from a pass game perspective. Um, I'll just share my reasoning why I personally didn't bet the Samuel one, although I do lean towards it. It's just that they're so injured in the backfield that I think that he could get some more rushing attempts, which would obviously take away from his receiving. But, yeah, that's really the the common theme about Jimmy G uh, is that I think that it benefits all the Niners pass catchers. And on the other side of the ball, Nathaniel Hackett has been quite the circus act his first couple of weeks patrolling the sidelines in Denver. Now Jerry Judy banged up. The wide receiving core was already a little bit shallow after a Tim Patrick offseason injury. Hitman, any thought as Hackett gets more game experience under his belt, as Russell Wilson gets more time with his new supporting cast offensively, anything you're looking for from a player prop standpoint for the Broncos on Sunday Night Football? Possibly Russell Wilson under. Um, uh, keep an eye on Jerry Judy on that injury because the Broncos are really, really underratedly thin at wide receiver if Judy doesn't play. Because like you said, Hamler hasn't been 100% and they lost Tim Patrick in the offseason. So Wilson unders would be the, what I'm monitoring right now. Looks like Wilson pass yards currently lined. I'm seeing 
230 to 236.5. Mostly in that 232.5 to 233.5 range. If that number holds and we get confirmation that Judy can't go, is that one you'd go ahead and fire on an under like that? Yeah, definitely a, a potential look. Haven't committed to it yet, but that's the direction that I'm leaning. Sounds good. Well, one more game on the card for week three. That would be the Monday nighter at the Cowboys at the Giants. Now, Jacob, I'll go to you first for this one as our resident Giants fan. How accurate of a reflection would you say a 2-0 record is on this year's Giants team so far? Uh, I think, like, you know, just from strict variance, something like that can happen. This is two straight coin flip sort of games that the Giants have had here. But what has been consistent with this Giants team is its defense. And so far this season, Daniel Jones has looked like, I mean, there could be just one game where he blows up, but he's not losing the Giants these games. He's keeping us consistent. And when Saquon Barkley is running like he's running, Daniel Jones' job is a lot easier. In the first half of last week's game, Saquon wasn't really at his best. So Daniel Jones kind of struggled there. But when Saquon really started going second half and we have that defensive cushion we can sort of rely on and let's look good. Andrew Thomas as well has looked really good this season. You know, 2-0, and I think that a fair reflection would have been 1-1 and here for this Giants team. But I know there's been a lot of steam on the Cowboys spread for this one. Pretty measured, I'll say, logical take from a Giants fan. Hitman, I know that that might still be a little bit too kind from your perspective. You've been looking to fade the Giants against the spread, but it's going to test your patience because they've got Cooper Rush this week, the Bears on deck next week. So it's really tough to fade the Giants too heavily from a point spread standpoint. Any opportunity you're seeing in this game to maybe fade them from a prop betting standpoint? Yeah, market's not widely... It's really not widely available enough that I've dug a ton into it, but I did think that Sterling Shepard's receiving yards opened a little bit low. Um, it actually did just get bet up. I bet over 36 and a half. It's at 41 and a half right now, but I think that 41 and a half is potentially a little bit low for a guy that went over this number last season at a very – or. During his career, he's went over this number, and this is the th thinnest wide receiving corpse in the entire NFL that the Giants have. And Sterling Shepard has gotten a very good percentage of the Giants' targets this season, and I believe he got 10 targets. And Daniel Jones missed him wide open for a touchdown against Carolina last week. If he doesn't miss that throw, Shepard has, I think, 80 yards in back-to-back -back games, and we're probably seeing a line that's in the mid to high 40s. So I think that Sterling Shepard overs could be worth a look. Uh, I kind of want to jump in, go. and sorry, I want to kind of jump in and get your thoughts. You talked about Sterling Shepard and how thin the Giants are, very thin at wide receiver. A lot of news this week, I guess mostly in kind of the Giants' sphere about Kenny Galladay not getting really any snaps last week. And he's spoken about it to the media. And Coach Davil of the Giants is talking about how he likes that Galladay is kind of hungry for more touches. Do you think something like that can kind of get you to lean towards an over on Kenny Galladay? These, these numbers aren't widely available at the moment. I just looked at it. But do you think this kind of gets you to lean towards an over on Kenny Galladay? Or is this something that you shouldn't really read too much into? I'm going to be honest. I don't even know if we're going to get a number. On Kenny Galladay, I know it's because it's a Monday night game, we might get one, but I don't know if we're going to get one based off the fact that he played two snaps 
last week. And I will say that Dable has been playing his guys. He hasn't played Kadarius Tony, who was from the past regime. He hasn't played Galladay. He's been Wandell Robinson from my training camp has been getting a lot of usage for the Giants. Um, David Sills getting a lot of usage. He's been playing a lot of his guys. So I don't I don't know how this ends for Galladay with the Giants, but I don't think that it's going to end good, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly I don't even think that we get a line on Kenny Galladay for this week. I could be wrong, but. After two snaps last week, I believe that we don't. Wow. All right. Well, guys, let's lock it in. Maybe we can see if uh, anybody will let us parlay. Justin Herbert under half of a rushing yard. Kenny Galladay under half of a reception. There you go. Me and Jacob, it's uh, our favorite teams. The the lock of the week. The mega whale. Get even after an 0-4 start to me for this season. <laughs> That's going to solve all our problems. Uh, yep. No, in all seriousness, we've been through... A bunch of games on the card, I think, uncovered a lot of value thanks to the Hitman's insight, as always. I think it's a good time to lock in some official plays for show tracking purposes. Hitman, anything that you would like to go ahead and lock in to your props and hops week three portfolio? Let's, let's do Joe Flacco under best number. I think 239 and a half is what we said for that. Let's go Dalvin Cook over 76 and a half rush yards i think that's what we're seeing out there so let's go let's go for that two pack for official plays this week all right i already had it down i will say that transparently to the audience dalvin cook over was on my card as well so there's nothing wrong be... with a double best bet there's nothing there we wrong. go yeah seeing eye to eye yeah, we could so go hopefully we go for a two unit time... we go for there two go. units on that if you guys are both <laughs> confident there we go. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to think, uh, Jacob, about how we want to track that in bet stamp. Uh, I, I tend to be more of a flat better, but maybe, you know, with this degree of confidence instead of one unit, you know, maybe we can juice it up just a bit so people can find that on the props and hops profile in bet stamp. Um, I will definitely see eye to eye with you, Hitman, there. Dalvin Cook over 76 and a half rushing yards. Going to go with another over. Man, I, I feel weird. Usually I do best with props if I'm leaning toward unders. Maybe I should have learned my lesson with the Kyler Murray overs these first couple of weeks. But one more over here. Devontae Adams receptions over six and a half at minus 150. We just talked about from a pure market reading standpoint why that could have plenty of value in addition to the handicap behind Adams in his matchup against the Titans this week. And then sticking with the theme of teasers, they have not been kind, admittedly, over the first couple of weeks of the season. I think last week we had a good bet that just didn't work out with the Panthers and Washington. If Washington can make a PAT or a two-point conversion, a lot of their teaser betters go home happy. Alas, they lose by nine. As far as the week three teaser card goes, I think there's more appeal to six and a half point teasers right now than the standard six-point teaser. And that does come with a minus 130 price point instead of minus 120. But I think it's worthwhile to give a look at the Packers taking them up from plus one to plus seven and a half at Tampa Bay, as well as the Cowboys plus seven and a half at the Giants. Again, we are paying 10 cents more than that standard six point teaser, but I think it's well worth it considering the matchups on hand for teams like the Packers and Cowboys instead of teams in that six point teaser territory. Not a lot of appeal with the matchups this week for the Patriots, Panthers, Titans, Texans, and Broncos. So if we look at this 6.5-point play that I'm eyeing, on the Packers side of things, 
No surprise to me if they close Pickham or maybe a small favorite across the board. The Bucks have just been decimated by injury. We've already touched on that. The low total in this game, especially a low total with quarterbacks like Rodgers and Brady involved, I think that increases the relative value of the points we get when using the six and a half point teaser to cross up through seven. And speaking of low totals for Dallas, they're involved in the lowest total of the week. That one is at 39 or 39 and a half. That's almost a preseason total. And I get it. Cooper Rush is more of a preseason quarterback. But I feel like the Giants might only be favored because of a misleading 2-0 record. So it's a case of, yeah, we're paying for six and a half points. But I feel like we might be getting more than a touchdown's worth of points for the price of less than a touchdown. So Hitman, all that said, wanted to see what you think of this six and a half point teaser. I would also consider Atlanta at plus one against Seattle, not banking on the Seahawks to blow anybody out after the Falcons have played tight against much better competition in the Saints and Rams to start the season. So perhaps between the Packers, Cowboys, and Falcons, any thoughts on an optimal six and a half point teaser in your eyes this week? You read my mind. It's probably, those are three teams, Dallas, Atlanta, and Green Bay that I'm going to very, very, very likely be involved in with teasers this week. All right. I will go ahead. And for show purposes, Jacob, let's say the Packers and the Cowboys both up to plus seven and a half at minus 130. Certainly can't fault anybody for including the Falcons and their week three teaser portfolio as well. That'll go ahead and wrap us up for this week. If you've enjoyed the Hitman's Insight, you can find him elsewhere on the hammer, talking sides and totals for every game on the board on Edge Rush. That show drops every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts, and it features Hitman alongside NFL handicapper Cleve TA and host Chris Abbott. You can keep up with all things happening at The Hammer by following us on Twitter at TheHammerHQ and also our website at TheHammer.bet. Hitman and Jacob, thanks for another fun show. Hopefully I can finally break into the win column this week to pull my weight. You guys are doing your jobs and then some. To the audience, thank you for tuning in. Jacob and I will see you on Wednesday. Same place for Between the Lines, looking at some NFL Week 4 line movement with pro better Fabian Summer. But until then, enjoy Week 3 in the NFL. Best of luck with your bets this weekend. Rops and